Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. This morning, if you can turn with me to you uh, in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles. If you've got your Bible, can you just lift it up and wave it at me? Wave your Bibles. Anyone's got iPads, iPhones, wave your iPads and iPhones. Turn them off. <laughs> um, if you can, put them on silent, though. That would be great. I'd appreciate that. Um, okay, if you can turn with me then to the book of First Samuel. I'm not going to be long this morning. I'm just going to be as quick as I can uh, to go through these points. Uh, but we're going to go to the book of First Samuel, and we're going to look at chapter 17, verses 12 through thir- uh, to 37. That's going to be the, uh, the main point of the narrative this morning. We've heard it said uh, this morning, there's been some wonderful uh, recollections of Scripture brought forward, and some of the names that were lifted up this morning out of the Bible were Moses and Abraham and King David, and it is King David this morning from the Old Testament that I'm looking at, and uh, I've been kind of having a bit of a fascination with uh, this particular passage of Scripture for quite some time, and it's it's something that we are all quite familiar with. I think it's a story that we're all fairly familiar with. It's the story of David and Goliath, David obviously being a young shepherd boy at the time, and Goliath being a Philistine soldier who was... uh, probably around about nine foot, nine and a half feet tall, roughly around about that. And um, it's a story that we're all kind of fairly familiar with. And we, we all understand that metaphorically, as well as, uh, uh, as, as in reality, there are, there are giants that we can encounter in our lives. There are challenges um, that we all uh, face. And um, these challenges can, if we're not careful... Um, come into our lives and affect us in such a way that they start to take all our energy, our time, um, and I- indeed our resources. And in fact, they can start to affect our relationship with God. Amen? Well, these challenges um, not only can uh, prevent us from stepping into a relationship with God, but they can also affect us once we surrender our lives to Christ, they can prevent us from developing a relationship with God and in fact fulfilling God's purposes for our lives. So whenever we encounter a difficulty or a challenge in our lives, how much we focus on that problem, how much we focus on that situation and how we handle and respond to that time, to that moment, to that encounter will indeed show whether or not we have matured and indeed, whether or not we are um, in a position where we're going to uh, gain a victory or whether we're going to gain some form of defeat. So what I would like to do is I'd like to turn to the scripture and I'd just like to read through this narrative and um, stay fairly close to it this morning. So I'm not going to be sort of diving around too many scriptures, um, but I will pull a couple of examples just to kind of hopefully... Um, reinforce some of the, the points that I've, the, some of the thoughts and points that I've raised um, whilst I've been sort of reading through it myself. Um, so in the book of First Samuel, chapter 17, verses 12 through 37, and it says here, Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. 40 days this went on for. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of his dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. 
So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those uh, sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paws of the lion and from the paws of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. The Lord be with you. Amen. I just want to unpack a few thoughts really about this story. A couple of things that kind of jumped out at me as I was reading this. And um, you're all probably very familiar with the story. And and as we read further on, we see that obviously David went into battle against Goliath and picked up some stones from from the river, from the the water side that was there, passing through the valley. And he slung the stones through from his sling and he took down Goliath with a stone, okay? Um, But if we sort of go back a little bit, what I want to look at in particular are three things this morning. The first point that I want to raise here is that in, in terms of learning to pick the right battle and learning to overcome our challenges, the first thing we need to do is to recognize our relationship with God. Amen. We need to recognize our relationship with God. When we go back into a previous chapter, into a, a previous chapter in uh, in First Samuel, we see that um, Saul and Samuel had contrasting relationships with God around that time. In chapter sixteen, we read that the anointing or the Spirit of God, the presence of God, departed from Saul and left him. Up until that point, Saul had been the anointed, appointed king of Israel, appointed by God to oversee and to rule over that nation. Just slightly before the spirit of God departed from Saul, the anointing of God came upon or was was uh, was was um, passed on to through Samuel, who was a prophet, passed on to David. It was passed on to him in secret. And Saul was not aware of this. 
So the anointing and the appointing of the future king of Israel had come upon David as a shepherd boy. And the anointing had departed from Saul. So here we have two contrasting relationships of uh, the individuals here in this story and God. And one of the things that is, is quite intriguing is when you look at the, the, through the narrative, through the story, the relationships that they had with God and the success they had in this particular battle. When you read about Saul, the way that Saul responds to the Philistine army and the fear and the intimidation that the army were up against, even Saul himself felt overwhelmed and overcome because of the, the giant that was standing before them and because of the army that was standing before them. What had changed? Nothing. The army had still had the same victories. The army had still got the same number of soldiers in it. The army was still in the same location that they had been up on this mountaintop. So nothing really had changed other than the fact that the spirit of God, the anointing of God had departed from Saul. Whereas when David was brought into the story, he was anointed and the presence of God was with him. And so it helps us to realize very quickly and very early on in verse 26, it says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The boldness that he has comes from his relationship with God. The perception that he has of the situation comes from his relationship with God. And so this morning, as we're sitting here and we are looking at and gazing upon our challenges and our difficulties and the problems, and they come in many, many forms, these giants that we're encountering in our life could in fact come in the forms of alcohol abuse. They could come in, in the forms of drug abuse. They could come in the forms of, um, uh, of physical abuse, our upbringing. We could be living our life in debt the whole of the, all the way through our lives up until this point. And so the challenges and the difficulties that we feel that are so overwhelming and have prevented us and stopped us from, from achieving our relationship, our true relationship with Christ, and prevented us from being able to fully surrender ourselves to God. Um, these, these relationships help us to, the, sorry, this, this verse helps us to realize that if we want to be able to succeed, to achieve success against these challenges, we need to first get right with God. Amen? What we also notice is that um, in our relationship, I, I, I want to share with you very quickly that, because um, I know that there are a mixture of uh, brothers and sisters here. Some of us, we're all in varying different walks of life here. We're all in very different relationship uh, situations with Jesus. But in particular, I want to speak to the people who don't necessarily know Jesus Christ. And the point I'm, I want to get across is that you might be sitting here this morning feeling like the challenges are overwhelming in your life, that your life is separated from God. Who is God that he would love you? And this morning, we have to recall the scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into this world, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? It's a, it's a scripture that's used quite often when we're out on the streets and evangelizing to people and telling people about Jesus, that we recall what Jesus accomplished on the cross and why he did it, because he loved us. Amen? And when we accept Christ into our lives, all of a sudden, our perception of our life changes. Our perception changes. And the opportunities, where other people see failure, we see opportunities. God opens up our eyes to opportunities. Amen? If you turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 21. Proverbs 12, 21, it says, No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled, sorry, yes, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. This proverb just indicates it's not a, it's not a universal law, but it's just a, it's just something that sort of highlights and demonstrates that there is a different perception 
there is a different perception to um, a situation when you are when you have a relationship with God and when you don't have a relationship with God. When you step into the presence of Jesus, all of a sudden you are uh, responding to the purpose, the, the purpose that God has got for your life. And, and when you are, are separated from God, you are not fulfilling the promises of God for your life. You're not fulfilling the purpose that God has got for your life. Amen. So firstly, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't come to know who Christ is, then this morning is your opportunity to surrender your life fully into his hands and recognize that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your salvation. He's the author and the perfecter of your life. And by going to the cross and paying the price with his blood, he has brought, he has bought you. He has bought you with a price and that price was his blood. And by buying you and, 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 and having paid the price for your sin, you are now able to start fulfilling and living out your life the way that God would like you to, uh, to live it out. Amen. So, by virtue of this relationship, by virtue of stepping into this relationship, you will start to see things from a different perspective. And when we look at David here at the very early start part of this narrative, everyone else was full, full of fear and intimidation. They were overcome by how difficult the people were, the, the soldiers were, how difficult the army was. They were scared of this uh, huge nine-foot Philistine who was equipped with all the, the, the modern, uh, for that time, all the modern um, uh, uh, tools, the modern weaponry. The Philistines were actually quite skilled in, in metalwork. And so when they stood there as an army, one the Israelite army on one mountaintop and the Philistines on the other uh, mountaintop and between them was a valley. When they're standing there and they're, they, uh, a, a main warrior would step forward, the, the, the main soldier would step forward and would start to taunt the other army. They would go one on one. But the Israelites had no soldier to respond to that. And so consequently what happened was every single day for 40 days, Goliath would step forward and taunt and ridicule the Israelite army until they could provide someone to fight against him. And so this went on for 40 days, by which time the, the, the Israelite army were intimidated, they were full of fear, they were paralyzed by what they were facing. And how many times do we look at the challenges in our life and feel exactly the same way? That we feel that we are so overcome and overwhelmed by how difficult things are, that we start to shift our focus from God and, and our relationship with God and we start to focus more on the problems and the difficulties and we start to see these things becoming too difficult, too much for God to be able to handle. Amen? But David had the boldness because of his relationship. He had the boldness of his re- because of his relationship and by virtue of, of the trust that he had in God, he had the... the um, he had the relationship such that he would, um, that he believed that the victory would already be won. And he wasn't overcome by the problem. He in fact trusted in God to be able to deliver him from the problem. The second point I want to raise this morning is that there will be a defining moment to choose not to engage in other battles. And this is the point of picking, uh, learning to choose which battles to fight. This is the, the main point, I think, that I would like to raise this morning, is that there are so many challenges and, and, and battles that we face on a day-to-day basis, whether it's people within our friendship circles, whether it's in our workplaces, whether it's to do with money, whether it's to do with any of the addictions that we may have in our lives. But these battles that we face, there is going to become a defining moment when we choose not to engage in other battles. And what I mean by that is when we look at verse 28, verse 28 through to 30, it says here, Now Eliab, who is um, Samuel's oldest brother, he heard when he spoke to the men, And Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. 
for you have come down to see the battle. David's response to this was that he turned to other people and asked the same question. And when he didn't get the response he was looking for, he was obviously then forwarded on to Saul, who was the king of Israel. The point is that when we start to get a different perception on our challenges and the difficulties that we face, when we start to see things not from our natural eyes, but from the eyes that God has upon us and the purposes that God wants for our lives, then you should expect opposition. You should expect opposition. The moment you sort of say that that the Bible says, this is how I'm supposed to behave in this situation. God is expecting this of me. And you decide to then respond to that and put that into action in your life. Suddenly, some of the people within your circle of friends have something to say about that. Suddenly, there is people who will sort of say, well, that's too much. Your faith is, is, is too much. You're, you're, the way that you are, the way that you are living your Christian life is, is too much. You're responding to God too enthusiastically. You're serving God too often. There are, there are ways of which that these words will come from either inside your camp or outside. If we take this situation of the, the battlefield, they've got soldiers, who are the Israelites, and that's from within their camp. Outside of their camp would be everyone from outside that. So words that are spoken against you could come from inside your camp, inside your circle of friends, inside your circle of family, inside people that you know, brothers and sisters here. God forbid that we have nasty things to say, but sometimes the truth is that people who are closest to us are the people that we allow to speak the harshest words to us. And sometimes those words can wound. Amen? So there's going to be a defining moment in a battle situation. In your life, when you're looking at the difficulties that you're facing, there's going to come a time, a moment, where you're going to be faced with other things demanding your attention, other things demanding more of your resources, more of your time. All of a sudden, this, this, this challenge, this difficulty which you feel is in your life is there for a reason. All of a sudden, you start to have other things taking up their, their time in your life, challenging you. The question you need to ask yourself is, Do I need to be battling that? Do I need to battle this or do I need to battle this? The question you need to ask yourself is, is everything that comes into your life, does everything have to be fought? Do you have to fight against everything? Do you have to relegate every situation that you come into to a physical battle? Do you have to allow it to occupy your time, your energy, this time that you spend with God, the time you spend in prayer, the time you spend with your family. Amen. So when you decide to stand up for something that you've, that when you decide to respond to a challenge that you're facing in your life, when you decide to do it God's way, when you decide to respond to what God is asking of you in your life, when you, when you decide to take your relationship more seriously, God gives you a new perspective. And by virtue of that, that new perspective, you will then start to behave differently. You will start to respond to that situation differently. And by doing that, some people around you, some people who maybe don't even know you, might have a few things to say about that. So expect opposition. Proverbs twelve, eighteen. Proverbs 12:18 says there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword but the tongue of the wise promotes health the tongue of the wise promotes health again it was said earlier on this morning that words can be spoken into our lives to build us up or words can be spoken into our lives to bring us down and this proverb here uh 
12.18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. The people that you have in your life, the friends, the, the um, people that maybe you're not necessarily close friends with, the circles that you move in, when you do things for God, when you respond to the challenges and the difficulties that you are facing, sometimes the words people speak to you will feel like swords. They will, they will feel like they are piercing to the heart, hurting you and upsetting you, causing, causing, um, causing you to maybe retract from the way that you know that God is expecting you to respond to, to what he's asking you to do in, in how to deal with that challenge. And the Bible says when we, when we flick now over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and peace and of a sound mind. Amen? And in another uh, version of the Bible, it says um, he did not give us a spirit of timidity. I prefer the timidity word in this particular situation because it's not so much that we are fearful, but more that we are timid. It's more that we have become overpowered and overwhelmed by the challenge that we are facing right now. We know what God is expecting of us in this situation. We know what God is asking of us in our life right now. We know that God has got a calling upon us, that he's calling us into ministry, that he's asking us to do certain things. He's moving upon our hearts in a particular way and saying, son or daughter, I would like you to, move, to do this sort of thing, this sort of work. You're having compassion on certain groups of people. You know, maybe you're, there's certain parts of the world by which you're moved by. There's certain groups of society that you're moved by compassion. You see the vulnerability of these people. You're moved by compassion. You're stirred in the heart. And you know that God is causing this to happen. And yet, you know, you, you suddenly start to think, wow, man, if I, if I respond in a particular way, if I, if I do something here, how are people going to view me? How are people going to see me? Am I going to be, am I going to be um, sort of too, too Christian? Am I going to be too forward? But we know what God is expecting of us. And the Bible says that he did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of love and peace and of a sound mind. And you should take comfort in knowing that the plans that God has got for your life are to prosper you and not to harm you. They're to prosper you. They're to to build you up, to raise you up, to put you in places where God wants you to be, to fulfill the plans for your life. But in order for you to do that, you need to overcome your own fear of, of, of stepping out in faith. You need to respond to what you know God is calling. The more time you spend with God, the more you develop your relationship, the more your perspective will change. Has anyone here done, I mean, done maths and things like this? You know what a protractor is? Yes? You know when you sort of take a protractor and you just take your pen and you follow it all the way around. The more you follow the protractor all the way around, it changes the angle. It changes the, the angle of, the, uh, of, of where the two points meet. And it's, it's like this with your relationship with God. The more that you... The more that you f uh, spend time with God in his presence, the angle of your perspective changes. You stop seeing it, the challenges and the difficulties that you're facing and the problems that you're facing. You stop seeing these giants coming at you, causing all sorts of fear and intimidation and paralyzing you to the point where you can't fulfill your purpose. But you start spending more time in God's presence, in prayer, in worship, in just those few moments when you're driving the car. Put on a CD. Just that short time can give you moments of being in his presence. When you're at home and the children, for those who are parents, are not around. I have a habit sometimes of putting on the football when my wife's not in. I sort of sneak, Sky, no. Um, next one. Next. Oh no, she's back. Turn it off. Quick. <laughs> but we have a habit of fulfilling sometimes our times, the little t 
tiny moments that we can grab and we fill them with other things. But if we spend more of those little times, those little moments in God's presence, draw us a bit nearer and a bit closer and suddenly we start to change our perspective. We start to see things through God's eyes. Our giants, our challenges, our difficulties no longer seem so gigantic. They no longer seem so overwhelming. When you start to recall scripture that says that he has got plans to prosper us and not to harm us. When you say these to yourself, when you read the book of Psalms and you draw on those Psalms and you just sing them to yourself or you just repeat them to yourself. All of a sudden you're reaffirming the word of God and God's position in your life and who he is and what he means to you and who you are in him. And reassuring yourself that God loves you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you and everything about your life is in his hands, that he has called you from where you were to where you are now and he wants to take you further everything about your life is in his book amen but it is the way that you live your your uh, spend your time in his relationship that will encourage you and, and draw you closer to him and change your perspective of your giants change your perspective of your relationship with god it will change your perspective of your calling your ministry amen And God has got a ministry for every single one of you here this morning. You've come here with gifts. Ephesians 4 says that those gifts are not for you, but they are for the people that you come into contact with. Amen. The gifts, the the treasure that God has put in your hearts, the treasure that he's put in you as a little jar of clay with treasure inside. Amen. Those gifts are to be used for the benefit of the kingdom of God, to grow the kingdom. To bring souls into the kingdom. To reach out to the lost. Amen. But you only start to put those into action when you start to develop your relationship with him. The more you spend that time in his presence, then you start to uh, see a different perspective. And then you start to become more confident and more bold about the things that God has got for you. And how you can use your gifts And you start to see opportunities for your gifts to work. It's so wonderful over the last year that we've seen so many people responding to what God says in his word about prophecy. You know? And speaking into people's lives and praying with people and getting out on the streets and all these different things that the apostles were doing back in those times. The church is starting to do this and putting this into action more and more. And it's wonderful to see this because the more you do it, the more you see opportunity. All of a sudden, your perspective changes, your fear, you've overcome your fear, you've overcome your your, uh, anxiety, you've overcome your your worry um, about facing these giants on the street, facing the people and what they're going to say and what they're going to think. Suddenly you find yourself developing characteristics that when uh, when you suddenly find that you're taken to a different part of the globe, You've got characteristics and your relationship with God and the things that you've learned by virtue of your relationship with God and the things that you've done. All of a sudden, you've got skills and gifts that you can use in other areas. Is this making sense? Amen. We all got gifts. Who here hasn't got a gift? (laughs) Ask the Lord. (laughs) He will reveal the gifts. So you need to recognize, like David here, what we can draw from is that when we face these challenges, we can, we can take our eyes off of God and stop trusting in God and we lose focus and we lose our desire to be in his presence. But David was so full of worship. He loved worship. When we read further back in in, in uh, First Samuel, we see that he was a worshipper. He would be out on the fields, tending to his father's sheep, playing the harp, singing to God. For those of you who don't know, David was responsible for writing nearly all of the Psalms. There's over like there's over 120 of them. He was a harpist. He loved to worship. He loved to sing God's praises and to recall and recount. All the victories, all the successes that he had encountered in his life. Every single one of you sitting here this morning, you're sitting here this morning by virtue of the fact that God has got grace upon your life. 
Amen. And you've all got a psalm in your heart that you can sing this morning. You've all got a song that you can sing to God this morning. You've all been taken from where you were and brought to where you are. God has plucked you out, as the Bible says, from the miry clay. And he set your feet upon solid ground. The word of God, the rock, which is your salvation. David wasn't intimidated. David wasn't paralyzed by fear when he faced the giant. He knew God. He knew his relationship with God. He trusted in God. He knew what God's perspective was for his life. And that confidence that he had in that is what drove him with such boldness to say the things he said against his challenger. This morning, all across the room in your hearts this morning, start recalling the challenges you're having. Start recalling the problems that you're facing this morning. If there is a ministry, if, if there is a ministry, a desire to get involved in ministry and you feel that you're not sure where your ministry is, ask God this morning. Surrender it to his hands this morning. Surrender it to his hands this morning. Don't be intimidated and paralyzed by the challenge, but know and be confident in who God is. Know and be confident in who God is. In the book of Joshua, we, we see in the book of Joshua that, um, chapter 9, that's right. Um, book of Joshua, chapter 1, sorry, verse 9. He says, have I not commanded you? This is God speaking to Joshua. So Moses, by this point, had died and passed away. And Joshua was now leading the Israelite army. This is going back a long way before, um, before the David situation. But he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Words that he spoke to Joshua still stand today in your life. They still stand and resonate today. They are, they are God's words. They are the truth. And God's word never returns void. Amen? So when you find that you're in this defining moment of, of speaking to your battles and speaking to your challenges and you, you're recognizing your, your challenges for what they are, that they are not bigger than God. They're not mightier than God. Addictions can be broken in the name of Jesus. For at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? So every addiction that you have, every problem that you have maybe in your marriage, anger issues that you possess. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, any of these things which have been with you from a childhood right to to now, any of these issues, you can bring them to the foot of the cross. And you can say the Bible, God says about me that I should be strong and very courageous. He says that if I have the faith of a mustard seed, I can say to my challenge, I can say to my mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. Your mountains this morning, your giants, your challenges, do not have victory over you when you are in your relationship with God where you need to be. You need to check your relationship with God. You need to draw nearer to him, and he will draw nearer to you. He will change your perspective. He will help you to see things from a heavenly perspective and not from an earthly carnal perspective. Amen. The third point which we can look at this morning comes from 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. And it says here, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Amen. The third point I would like us to consider is when we find ourselves in difficult times, facing our giants, remind yourself, remind yourself of who God is and what he has done. Who God is. And what he has done. Start declaring those truths over yourself. He is the Lord of Lords. 
He is the King of Kings. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forevermore. He changes not. It is us who change. Start speaking the truths over yourself. He is, he loves me with an unending love. His love covers a multitude of my sins. He so loved me that he sent his only begotten son into this world that whosoever, myself, should believe in him. Speak these words over yourself. Put yourself in a perspective where you recognize that he is the authority figure in your life. He is the author. He is the perfecter of your salvation. Nothing happens in your life unless God allows it to happen. Unless you allow these things to happen in your life. The the closer you are to God, the more successes you will have to fulfill the purposes for your life, fulfilling the will for for your life. But the further away you are from him, the less likely he is to be able to protect you. Because your responses and the way that you would respond to situations will draw you further away or bring you closer to him. And the closer you are to God, the more you see things from his perspective. You know what his expectations are of your life. The Bible says that he will make all the crooked places straight. But he will only do that, and he can only do that if you allow him to. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you and force you to love him. He's not going to force you to do what he wants you to do. But he will certainly direct your path, and he will certainly prod you along the way. And try and keep you on the narrow path. The Bible says in the book of Matthew that there is a narrow gate. And there is a narrow path that leads to that gate. And there are few who take it. And alternatively, there is a wide gate. And a wide path that leads to that gate. And many take that. So we need to recognize that by our relationship, We get a heavenly perspective and we can draw closer to God and we are more likely to stay on the path that God has got for our lives. The giants, the challenges that we face won't have victory over us. Amen? This is an encouragement this morning. Don't look so gloomy. Don't look so gloomy. Only I'm allowed to look gloomy because I'm the one with the microphone. (laughs) Be encouraged this morning. God loves you with an unending love. He loves all of us with an unending love. You find yourself in, in, a, in a rich place, heirs to the throne, seated in high places next to Jesus. Amen? So there's no need for us to look down and depressed and fed up and like life isn't successful because God has already won the battles. It was already accomplished on the cross. Jesus hung there and he said, It is finished. The victory was already won. Our souls had opportunity to now be brought back to Jesus Christ. We surrender our lives to Christ. All of a sudden, all of the past mistakes, the problems, the challenges, they disappear. They don't seem so big. Our perspective changes of them. Amen? We still have difficulties to face. We live, the Bible says we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are foreigners. Who here is a foreigner? I'm a foreigner in my own land. Amen? The Bible says we are foreigners. Why are we foreigners? We're foreigners because our lives are hidden in Christ. We no longer belong to the world, but we live in the world. We're living out our lives in the world. We face the same difficulties and challenges that people here face. How do you respond? How do you behave when you face a challenge? How do you talk to those mountains, those giants? Do you put all your time, energy and resources in dealing with them yourself? Becoming stressed, anxious, depressed? Moaning about your lot in life? Every time someone comes into contact with you, they think you're the most depressed Christian. And for that reason, they do not want to be a Christian. 
Or are you the sort of person that conveys trust and confidence and boldness in who God is and what he has accomplished and the fact that he's the author and the creator of all, this, of all life on this planet? Amen? So how you live your life and the view that you come from, the perspective that you have of your, of your relationship with God and the perspective you have of your challenges will speak about your faith and trust and confidence in God. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, verse 11. This is quite a way back here. It's almost near the end of the Bible. So for those who are reading it cover to cover, you're near the end. It says that we can overcome. This, is, uh, this, this particular passage was taken where the arch, um, arch, archangel Gabriel, I think it was, or Mike, Michael, I think was um, speaking, and he said, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen? First Samuel seventeen thirty-four to 37, what was David doing? He was telling Saul, I've wrestled with lions. I've wrestled with bears. And every single time I've been victorious. God has been with me every single battle. God has brought me forward every single time. I have never lost against a bear. I have never lost against a lion. Who here faces challenges every single day? And how often do you look at those battles that you face with the the difficulties that you encounter and you sort of think, wow, I've inquired new confidence. I've inquired new skills. I've inquired patience. I've learned how to be less angry. I've learned how to control my anger. I've learned how to control my responses when people say things that annoy me. I've learned how to be more gracious in defeat. I need to teach my son that. But we remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives. We draw upon the things that God has done, the examples that we can remember, the testimonies, the the testimonies that we have of what God has done in our lives, how he has brought us through difficult times. You know, hey, you remember that time when we were at that party and we were really drunk and the spirit of the Lord came upon us. We started prophesying and talking to people and how all of a sudden I realized that my life was terrible and I really shouldn't be doing that. And so I never did it again. And I've just given up alcohol. You know? Or someone who sort of says, oh, do you remember when I used to do this or we used to do that? But no longer because I put my trust and my confidence in God. I'm no longer that person. I'm a new creation. Amen. You can all sit here this morning and recount all the different things that Christ has done for you and remember and recall them and bring them to remembrance. Because when you start bringing them to remembrance, you, you shift your focus from the giants that are, that are in your life. And you start to focus on God and what God can do and how God can bring you through and how God's grace is on you and how God's blessing is upon you and how God's purposes upon your life need to be fulfilled and how you need to do this and you need to do that. And all of a sudden, the, the desires of your heart become his desires. Amen? David puts it like this in Psalm 107, first four verses. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. These psalms are, are wonderful because they're, especially for, for Jews, because when they're reading this, they're remembering what God had done for them, he, they, how God had brought them through, uh, through Egypt, brought them through the Exodus, and how he had brought them through uh, every trial and tribulation that they faced, every battle that they encountered, and they were all recorded showing what God, God had done. But we can draw upon these psalms in the same way. 
And we can read them and we can say that if God who can do this for the Jews, if God who can do this for his chosen people, we as Gentiles are still able to have God do this for us. He can bring us through difficulties. He can bring us through difficult times. We just need to allow him to do so. Amen. So the third point is we need to remind ourselves who God is and what he has done. Recall your testimonies. Recall your testimonies. Remember what God has done in you and for you and through you in your life and in the life of people that are around you. And all of a sudden, the problems, the giants in your life will diminish. Your perspective changes and your perception of who God is will change. Amen? You see, sometimes... We all face difficulties. We all face challenges. Sometimes we're too ashamed of our giants. Sometimes we're like the Philistines. Sorry, like, not like the Philistines. Sometimes we're like the Israelites, the Israelite army. We're all on display. We're all camped up. We're all ready to go. And yet we're paralyzed we start to remember all of our failings and all the fall shorts and all the ways that we've maybe not fulfilled God's promises and we start to remember all the things that we used to do for God but we don't do now. We remember how we used to pray but we don't remember how we pray now. We remember how many hours we used to spend with him and how many hours we spend now. And so... This story this morning could be an encouragement to us that the giants in our lives don't have to have victory if we don't let them. They don't have to overwhelm us if we don't let them. God is for us. Who can be against us? There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ, but our lives are hidden in him. Amen? And so this morning you sit here, you stand here as victors because the battle is already won. But it's whether or not you choose to allow your victory to be handed over to the devil. To say that every challenge, every problem that you come up against is is one that you are not worthy of overcoming. You can by the blood of the lamb and the power and the word of your testimony. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.